Yeah, you could be. You could be. Maybe he could be like the next, uh, next. what is it, host? There you go. Yeah. I know, they're trying to get, they're, they're filling in. They have people filling in. You know who they want? Lamar from Reading Rainbow. Remember him? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Huh, interesting. All right, let's actually talk about something useful. Okay. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about Bible stuff, shall we? All right, let's get someone to pray before we start. Anybody? Andy. Well, as a winner, I will. Yeah. As the winner? Yeah. Okay. It's appropriate. Stand up. Okay. I know you guys admire my abilities. I know. And trivia, it's useless. And like that, useless. Let's get serious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I just have noticed that the. Uh, our group is kind of, you know, diminishing lately, but I know just because of COVID and other restrictions going on, Lord, we just pray for those who are not able to be here, and we just pray um, that you continue to work in their lives, work in everybody here, Lord. Um, I know we're all going through a lot as uh, near the end of the year and changes within school, but as these kids are still there, just with, they would remember that it is still their ministry out there, and it's their mission field, that they would take that to glorify you in all things they do. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We just ask that you would... Uh, Continue just to work through Stephen and uh, just the, his message that he has prepared for us tonight that we would have ears to learn and open hearts. Lord, we love you and we ask that you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why you <laughs> All right. So, all right, we are num on number 12 of 15 on how to study the Bible. So we'll be finishing this up in, in, in the next couple weeks. Um, one, of the, one of the ideas that I had that I've been kicking around is that uh, whether we start this in the new year or at the end of the study, we'll figure it out. But I was thinking of at least for 2021, one of the things that we're going to do. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that I would like to do is I'd like to take um, either one, one Wednesday night a month at least, maybe do a couple. We'll see how it goes. But I like to do one Wednesday night a month and do like an open Q&A. Um, I would love to do something like that. So that way you can ask any question. Uh, if there's anything that's, that you're reading through or something that's bugging you or something you've always wanted to know or maybe a question that maybe a friend has had or whatever, I always love doing the Q&A type stuff because there's a lot of things that we could talk about and dive into the depths of that we can't through other studies. So I think we're going to do that on the, maybe like the last Wednesday of every month during the year. Um, and that would be a great time to even invite some people to church too. Because we've had a lot of people uh, in the past that have actually gotten saved out of us having a Q&A. Um, just open it up and having them ask whatever question that they want. So that's something I'll be kicking around and probably for the new year we'll end up doing. So tonight we're going to hit the clarity factor. We're going to finish up number 12. And then the next few, we have a couple that are combined um, and we're hitting the tail end of all these. And then uh, we have a little... They're, they're kind of like fat bookmarks, but they're things that you can put in your Bible to have all the rules of Bible study, so that way you can always have it with you. Yeah, Jamie's got one. We did that the last time we did this a few years ago. That way you can have the rules of Bible study actually in your Bible as a little bookmark that's laminated. We'll make sure to get you guys one of those. Okay, so this one is very simple, but when you really think about it, uh, very, very important, and it will combine some other rules of Bible study as well, but we're going to talk about the clarity factor. All right, so the clarity factor is very, very simple. 
So basically it says, never violate a clear passage when trying to understand an obscure one. Never violate a clear passage when trying to understand an obscure passage. So there are times when you're reading in your Bible and you come across something and you're like, it's kind of weird. Like when I'm reading that verse, it seems like it could be possibly contradicting or I don't really understand what this is saying. And you try to understand it and it makes you think almost as if the things that you believe are wrong then you never you never want to violate. So if something is more obscure, it's hard to understand. There are things in there that you might have to put in its proper context or there's other things to consider. You never want to take that verse and totally just throw away a bunch of other good doctrine. It's common sense, but there's a lot of people that will do that. We've had a number of people in our church over the years that have come in, have been discipled, and then they'll run into verses and chapters in the Bible that throw them completely off and they end up in heresy and they leave our church. And a lot of times not on good terms because of stuff like this. They just chuck everything else that the Bible says that is very, very clear in order to adopt weird and strange doctrines. It's, it's bizarre, but there's a lot of people that do that. So the general rule is don't violate a clear passage when you're trying to understand an obscure one. And then we got these verses. So Matthew 18, 16. I like this one. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or two, uh, one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So there's always two or three witnesses, which we've already talked about that one when we talked about comparing Scripture with Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.13, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we learn the Bible by comparing spiritual things with spiritual, the Bible with the Bible. 2 Peter 3.16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Peter's talking about Paul's writings. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist or malign, as they do also other scriptures under their own destruction. Peter was saying that there are things that Paul wrote that were difficult to understand. And people that were unlearned, which means they're just flat out ignorant, and unstable, they rest. They twist them to make them say whatever they want. And that's not what Paul said. And he says that they do this with other scriptures, and of course it leads to destruction or even heresy. So even Peter said that about Paul's writings. And there's some things that Paul wrote that are just frankly hard to understand. You just got to take some time and work through it. And then 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are some areas of the Bible that you must study. There are some things that are just very different, and they're difficult, or they're strange, and you've got to sit down, and you've got to study it out. If you're not willing to put in the time, then you're never really going to understand the things about God. And studying is hard work. And studying the Bible is different from studying other things. It really is. There's a lot of people, um, and I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but there's a lot of people that say that, well, I would never do well in JBI because I never did good in school. That's me. Hello. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is that is absolutely not true. We have had a lot of people come in and out of JBI successfully that were horrible students in school. Because studying subjects in school is one thing, but then studying the Bible is something completely different, especially when you love it and you're passionate about it and you have the Spirit of God inside of you. It's a completely different ballgame. So if you're willing to take the time to study the Bible properly, you're going to learn some amazing things. I mean, absolutely amazing things. Um, I, I, I am all the time when I read the Bible and I study it out, there are things in there that I'm like, oh my gosh, that is absolutely amazing. I never thought about that before. And it really helps me all the way around in my life. But you've got to be able to put the time into it. For a lot of you guys, I would say most of you have really never studied the Bible. Most of you. 
Now you might have done a little bit of study, but I think that what I'm talking about is like, for example, hearing someone teach from up here and they give you cross-references, they put things in context for you. They, they have already done, like the best way I can describe it, and some of you may get this, some of you may not, but I know that when I have, I don't think about this because of deer hunting. So whenever I've gone out and I've gotten a deer, there's two options after you shoot a deer. You can take that deer to a butcher and they can skin it, they can quarter it, they can package it, they can do it all themselves and you pay them money to do it. Or you can do it yourself. Now when you do it yourself, you save money, but you actually have to learn how to do all those things. And to go piece by piece all the way through and then take the time in, and then even when you're cutting the meat off of the bone you're, and you're doing all this kind of stuff, like there's a right way that you have to cut it if you want to keep certain portions of meat and then there's a right way to package it, otherwise it's going to go bad. And you have to learn all the ins and outs and everything. But if you never do it, then you won't learn how to do it at all. There's a lot of people that come to church and just expect someone else. They'll just give them money and then they expect to have the benefit. It doesn't work like that with spiritual things. If you really want to get into the nitty-gritty with God, you've got to put the time into it. And you've got to begin somewhere. You have to. And so what we're giving you guys through this study and, and a lot of things that we've gone through is literally giving you the tools to go and do it yourself. Because I would venture to guess, for the most part, for the most part, that most of you guys going through now up to rule number 12, you've not used one rule intentionally. That's just the, that's the, the, the feeling that I get going through the study where we're giving you guys gold. Like we're giving you guys, I mean, seriously, top notch stuff that could save your life both now and in the future. And I feel like this is not being taken advantage of the way that it ought to. And we're going to see a couple of these concepts in here that really tie in with some past things before. But I'm telling you, this stuff is amazing. So I'm going to continue through it. And I, but I want you guys to go back through it. And if you need to go back through, we have all the podcasts that are up that you guys can take a listen to. I can email you guys or even text you guys the study sheets for you to work through because this stuff is gold. It literally is gold. These are things you're going to want to put in your Bible and you want to put into, into, into practice. But I have found that until I really had a need to get into the Bible on my own, I never really did. I just didn't. And it wasn't until I started to get serious when I realized, oh my gosh, my life and the direction that my life is going, I need God to direct my life. I need to spend more time with Him. I, I need God. It was almost like another time in my life where uh, I became more consecrated or set apart unto what God wanted me to do, and it drove me into the Bible, and I started actually having a more of a real relationship, because I grew up in the church, and I heard this stuff all the time. I heard people preach and teach, and I even taught a little bit here and there, little devotionals here and there, and I knew how to navigate, you know, enough. I taught in VBS and stuff, and I learned how to, you know, basically outline a passage and how to take this and teach little kids. Like, I learned how to do that. But I did not really learn how to study the Bible until I got older to the point where like, oh my gosh, I need God. Like, I need God. And if I don't have God in my life, I am completely lost. Not eternally, but in this life with the decisions that I'm making and the places that I'm going to go in my future, I am going to be absolutely lost. I thought I had a relationship with God, but I did not have a deep, intimate relationship with God until I began to dive into the Bible myself. And it can literally save your life. So some of you may understand that and you may pick up and run with it, and I hope you do. Others, you won't get this until years down the road with a lot of senior hires that will come back to me and say, oh my gosh, Stephen, there are things that you taught that when you said them, I thought I knew what you were talking about, but now I know exactly what you're talking about. You have the opportunity to not be that person. You can learn that now. Don't learn it when you're now pushed to the corner and now you need to get into the Bible because it's a do or die time. Do it now. 
Do it now. You need God just as much now as when you're in the gunfight spiritually. You do. You need him now. And I think we're just way too lax when our, with our relationship with God. I think we uh, really take advantage of God way too much. And he's given us so much. We're just not willing to dive into it. Okay, so with that said, let's get into some of the important concepts and let's look at some of these examples. All right. So first of all, important concepts. God provides clarity to matters by giving two or three witnesses. Now, again, this is a great time, especially with stuff that I just mentioned, to take you back and for you to really understand some of the other rules we've gone through already. Now, this one we talk about in the comparing scripture with scripture one. But God gives clarity to matters by giving two or three witnesses. Give me two volunteers. Second Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1. Got that one, Gavin. And then uh, you can take the First Timothy 5.19. 1 Timothy 5.19? Oh, okay. oh, I thought you raised your hand to read. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. As long as you're good. I'm good if you're good. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. 1 Timothy 5.19. All right. So God provides clarity to matters by giving two or three witnesses. We already read the Matthew 18.16, but I want you to hear these other two verses, and I'll explain uh, why they're so important. 2 Corinthians 13.1. Uh, 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 this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Okay, so just as a timeout on that verse. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Why would that be true? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Think about it. Think about it logically. Why would that be true? So it's like different people know what happened rather than just one person. So they can just lie about it. Okay, so if you have two or three people and they're statements agree together, then you can establish it as fact. Yeah, Brandon. Accountability and like credibility? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I would say the person that has probably the most experience outside of the Bible with this one is Andy, because of his job and his work that he does. That you have to have two or three witnesses to establish a testimony. You have to. Otherwise, you can't charge a person with something, right? Particular calls, we have to send two or more. Yeah, even to protect you guys. Correct. So that way you can get the written testimony of the police officer about the account of what happened, right? A lot of times they recant on what they originally said. So this is important. So this is not something that's brand new. This is something that exists in our world today, and it's a major legal deal. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. When you have two or three things that agree together, it is fact. So let me tell you, and this is a great, great point on this one, is when it comes to the word of God, you should... On anything, any doctrine, any belief that you have about God, you should have two or three verses to back it up. Two or three on everything. So anything you believe about God, like do you believe in the existence of God? Anyone? Yes. Okay. Do we have two or three verses to back that up? You can say, uh, or at least a chapter that you can go to about where those things actually exist. What about Jesus is God? That one's hotly debated among different religious um, what's denominations. So where would you go for that one? Two or three witnesses. Okay, first John could be one. First John what? Because I'm not sure what verse you're thinking of that one. Four, twelve, or fifteen. Or John one one. Yep, John one one. Yep. What's the reference for there through the bare record in heaven? First John five seven. First John five seven. Yep. Okay. Yep, and these three are one. Yep. Yeah. So, 
There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And then John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what about Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3? It talks about how Jesus is the actual image of God, the express image of God's person. And it talks about how he created everything. So there's, there's a ton of verses, but here's the thing. is like, do you know? Like, do you know? Because here's the reality behind it. This one's important because who gives a rip about your opinion? What does the Bible say? Because you and I are liars. We are hypocrites. We make mistakes on, on any given day, right? So who's going to trust you just because of your word? I mean, maybe they could because you're trustworthy and you're faithful. But what if you make a mistake? If your, your faith is not based upon who you are as a person. It can't be. It's got to be based upon the Word of God because this is the only thing, like Jesus said, the Scripture cannot be broken. Like, this can't be broken. So, if you can find two or three testimonies in here about a biblical doctrine, well, then you're settled. And you don't have to question it whatsoever. All right, read your verse. Against another receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Okay, so in that one, pastors, elders, were being accused of sinful behavior or not leading well or whatever. And it says, don't even entertain them unless you have two or three witnesses. If you got two or three reliable witnesses that can stand up and give a testimony of why that guy should not be a pastor any longer, then okay, that's fine. Entertain that. But if you can't find it, then don't even entertain it. Don't even give it a second thought. So that's important. So that's, this is huge. This one's a really important one. And this is why comparing the Scripture with the Scripture is so, so important. All right, next point. To understand the Bible, we must become studious laborers. True maturity is the result of faithful study and application of God's Word. So if you really want to understand the Bible, you have to be a studious laborer. If you are not a studious laborer in the Bible, you do not really understand the Bible. You may understand bits and pieces about the Bible, but you do not understand the Bible until you studiously labor in the Word of God. True maturity is the result. The result. Maturity is the result of faithful study. Faithful study and application. Application. Until you study the Bible out and begin to apply it on your own, you are not mature. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself or what anybody else thinks of you. Until you begin to study out the Bible and actually do what it teaches you, you do not have any maturity. Someone that is mature is known by the ability to do the things that they learn. I mean, you can see that as, as early as childhood for a lot of kids, right? I mean, a kid that can talk but they can't read, I mean, you can start to gauge their level of maturity. A kid that can't walk but they can crawl, a kid that can go to the bathroom on their own or they're wearing a diaper, you can start to gauge their maturity just how they are biologically. It's the same thing spiritually. So until you begin to study the Bible for yourself and then apply what you've learned, you are not mature. You can't be. There's no way. You keep getting uh, spoon-fed. And there's a lot of Christians that only survive barely by what they're taught on Sundays and Wednesdays if they even go consistently. And so you really will not learn how to feed yourself until you get into the Bible yourself and actually do it. All right, next point. There are some passages in the Bible that are hard to be understood. We already talked about that. There are some things in the Bible that are just hard to understand. And you may not be able to understand it, but give it a shot. Try. Compare Scripture to Scripture. Try to figure it out. Some passages in the Bible are blatantly closed. Blatantly closed. Um, there, we don't have time to go to these two passages, but in Daniel chapter 12... 
God is speaking to Daniel, and Daniel's trying to understand the vision. So God gave him a vision of what's going to happen in the future. Because Daniel's kind of like, the best way I can describe Daniel is it's like the Old Testament version of Revelation. So you have Daniel seeing the events of Revelation in the, in the last days, and he's trying to understand them, and he can't. And so God says, close them up and seal them, because it's not for you to understand these things. It's for the time at the end. And then John would be the revealing of those things that Daniel tried to, be, tried to understand. So really, you have Daniel, and then you have Revelation, and those two kind of go back to back. So God said, Daniel, you're not going to understand it right now, and it's completely fine. You've got to be okay with it. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, this is where Paul went to heaven. Um, so while it was in Acts chapter 14, when he was stoned, he was dragged out of the city and he was dead and they thought that he was dead. I think it's at that time that he actually did die and he actually went to heaven. And while he was there, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 that he heard things that are not lawful for a man to utter. So he heard stuff and God said, don't talk about it. And frankly, if it's not lawful for a man to utter and he actually did say it, he probably would be struck dead. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it. So there are things that he heard that God's like, uh-uh, you can't say a word about this to anybody. You cannot repeat anything you heard while you were here. It's interesting. So there's some things in the Bible that are just absolutely closed. You can take a good guess at what you think is going on, but you got to really be careful. All right, next one. Remember to stay in the boundaries of the other factors or the rules of Bible study. Titus 1-2 says that God cannot lie. And 2 Timothy 3-16 talks about how uh, you've got to take the scripture and it will teach you all these sorts of things. So you have to do this in its proper order. Context. Every word and event. Dispensation. Comparing scripture with scripture. Apparent contradictions. Consistency. Literal. Attitude. And then all the other ones we're going to be talking about as well. You've got to stay within the boundaries of these other factors, and it will help you for sure uh, stay where you're supposed to be. And then lastly, always remember that a passage's explanation is usually simple, not complex. God wrote his words to reveal truth to us, not to hide it from us. God is a revealer of truth. He does not hide truth. He's not in the business of hiding truth. If God wanted to hide truth from you, he would not have written a book for you to study to learn all these things about God. All right? So we have about 10 minutes left. I want to go through a couple different examples down at the bottom of your sheet. And we're going to do these ones together. We're going to compare them. Um, and I want you to be able to see, because they seem contradictory. So this is very similar to the apparent contradictions. But I want you to kind of start to take a look at this. You never want to violate a clear passage when you're trying to understand an obscure one. Keeping all these things in mind, let's try to put this into practice. All right? So the first one we got is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. All right. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're pretty familiar with that one, right? So now take a look at this one. Someone read that one. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence of the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Okay, so what does that seem to be teaching? Read it again if you need to. Take your time. Because this is... Works for salvation. It talks about holding fast and confidence and rejoicing. Yep. So, it says, but Christ is son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? So, it seems to be saying that if you do not hold fast and you are not confident, then you don't hope, hope fully firm unto the end, you're not part of Christ's house. Right? So losing your salvation. Yeah, so that you can potentially lose your salvation. 
But again, what does that say? And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation is a gift given to us, not of works, it's through faith, because no one can boast. So, are those contradicting each other? How would you explain it, Ethan? Go ahead. Because Ephesians was written to the like our our church age, but Hebrews was to the Jews and during the tribulation. Okay. And they can lose their salvation. Doctrinally, yes, I would say that. But I would also say that Hebrews was actually written to Jews during the church age as well, because historically it was written to Jews after Christ had died and resurrected. So there must be an application that makes sense. Is it referring to hope as far as Christ restoring the nation of Israel? Well, we could take a look at context. We haven't looked at the context of verse 6, have we? Hebrews 3. If you want to get context, go to it in the Bible. Or, I'm sorry, Bible. Silly me. I must not be feeling well. It's a teaching moment. Revealing the need. And making you work for it. I know. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Should we have a countdown? We're going to need to. This is the first example. and we got to kill them more. <laughs> okay. Alarm set for one minute. What are we looking for? I don't know. You tell me. In the context of when, like, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, where all the Jews are in the wilderness? So, yes, because of what's going on here. So, doctrinally, yes, but again, historically. Because historically, Paul wrote this letter to the Jews to convince them that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that they've worshipped among their heritage for, you know, a thousand plus years, right? So it's trying to convince him to trust in Jesus alone by faith, historically. <laughs> if there's no answer in math, what kind of math class are you in? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. He goes to the lake. Never mind. <laughs> I was waiting. He came to Lake. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, anybody? Anybody give it a shot? I've already taken two shots, so I don't think the third one's going to be much better. Okay. All right, so remember, remember, the answer is always more simple than more complex. Okay? And you never want to violate a clear passage, which in this case is what passage? 
No. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's a clear passage, right? We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, right? So that one we do not want to violate. So this one, it says, But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we, which are we Christ's house? We're part of the body of Christ, aren't we? Okay. Whose house are we if we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Okay. So the thing that's throwing us off here is the if, right? Okay. But here's the deal. If you're eternally secure, there is no if. Right. Well, it doesn't necessarily because it talks about in in the context where it talks about him being uh, it talks about Moses, every house. So um, you have Moses in the house that he built upon the Levitical law. And now Christ is a better householder. And then it talks about here in verse 7, after he says, verse 6, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So it goes through this heart of unbelief. So those of us that have trusted Christ as our Savior, we have already believed. We do not have a heart of unbelief. So our salvation is set. Now our fellowship is different. But when it comes to our salvation... First of all, it doesn't say anything about salvation here. But if we were to apply it in that context, if we hold fast, if you are saved, is it dependent upon you to hold fast to Christ for your salvation? What is your salvation dependent upon? Yes. Yes. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit of God moves in, takes up permanent residence, and becomes the down payment or the earnest of our redemption. So who holds us fast? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, okay? So we've trusted in Christ as our Savior. The Spirit of God moves in, and He holds us fast. Now, if we hold fast, okay, that's conditioned upon us. But the reality is, is that we are going to hold fast because it's not about us. It's not the actions that we take. So we are going to hold fast. So the condition doesn't apply to us. It goes back to what Ethan was saying, that doctrinally it does apply to people later on that are, that are able to lose their salvation. But the reality is here, if we hold fast, are you going to hold fast? If you're born again, are you going to hold fast? Yes. Yes, because your salvation is not dependent upon your works. So you are in there if we hold fast. Or are you going to? Are you actually born again? Yes, I am. Okay, well then you're going to hold fast. Right? So it's more simple than it is complicated. But when people read it, they're like, oh, oh, oh. feels like I can lose my salvation reading that verse. No, don't violate the clear passage when you're trying to understand the obscure one. Do you get it? This is why this is so important. This is why the rules of Bible study are so important. Because you're going to run across somebody who believes stuff like this. They're going to go to this passage, and then you're going to do what you just did in this room. And have no answer, not be able to say anything. And then there comes a point where you might be in a position where you're like, well, maybe you actually can lose your salvation. And then all of a sudden you start going wayward. And then you, well, then there's this passion. And then there's this passion about, well, maybe you can lose your salvation. Maybe what I grew up with all along was just wrong. It's a slippery slope. You have to be able to know what you're talking about. The rules of Bible study can save your life. That's why I made it such a big deal about them in the beginning. I really want you guys to understand how much you need this stuff. But unfortunately, many of you are not going to get it until you're actually pushed into a corner. So I'd rather push you into that corner than someone else do it.
Okay, so start using this stuff because it will save your life. It will save your life. All right, that's all we have time for. So you can look up the other passages later. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the main uh, sanctuary for prayer time. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. I do pray that this would help us to open up our eyes on how much we need you and need these rules in order to understand and rightly divide the scriptures. So help us tonight, and I pray that we would use the things that we're learning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.